Welcome to the Cannabavarum Podcast, the Cannabis Truth Podcast, where the language of cannabis is freely spoken, with an emphasis on educating the public about how to use cannabis safely and economically. Whether you're in a supportive state or not, there are facts you should know about the cannabis you're ingesting. Here to explain the language of cannabis in historical, political, and scientific terms is certified cannabis shaman Honey Smith Walls. Hey, my friends. I just wanted you to know that this next episode is not for everybody. It's going to be about opioid management and a fresh new idea. So grab your box of Kleenex. It's pretty emotional. And I want you all to meet this precious angel, Fiona Sebastiano. How you feeling this morning? Um, I have to say I'm a bit emotional because this all, like I sent you the pictures. I have a, um, I have like a portfolio that I made um, uh, when I started speaking um, with Sotera last year in February. I did a one of their conferences in Orlando and I spoke in front of a whole entire um, room full of people. There was probably hundreds of people in there. There was not even any seating um, room anymore. They were standing up against the walls. And after I spoke, I had people crying or laughing or both and had a standing ovation. And that was the most incredible feeling ever. So after February, my whole life has changed. (laughs) I hear you. And I love Sotera. I I... love the people at Sotera. I love their whole idea and philosophy and everything. They're just wonderful. Um, I have to say I'm a little disappointed because they don't have, with me being on Social Security, they don't have a lot of discounts. They don't have um, a a discount for, you know, like Grow Healthy has discounts, a 20% um, discount for people that are on disability or, um, you know, like EBT or anything like that through the state. Mm -hmm. And truly... Um, does the same thing, and um, Cura Leaf does the same thing. Have anything like that, except I okay. believe they have something for their seniors. Wait just a second, because I really want to include all of this and your knowledge of that. It's important for people to hear this, and I know that too. But it's not something I often speak about, you know, from my point of view. So I really yeah. Want there's you a to lot of things that I was thinking about what we could talk about because I really I. As I go on this journey, I don't want people to think that I'm just doing this for publicity because I truly, I mean, publicity is great and that's how I get my story out. But honestly, I don't want to be like everybody else that's trying to be famous. You know, like if, if my, if, if I'm chosen to be famous and make something of myself doing this, then that's wonderful. If not, I hope I've just touched the heart of somebody because, you know, so let me, so let me just say here, good morning, dear Fiona. And thank you for joining us to share your story. And it's going to be so inspiring for so many people. So tell me, dear, what was going on with you before you came to cannabis? 
I used to be a hairstylist. Um, I started doing hair back when I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 47. Or no, mm-hmm. I'm 48. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I graduated from cosmetology school and went right into working for Great Clips, where I worked for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, in 2006, 2007, I started to have a great deal of back pain and leg pain and um, a lot of headaches. And then whenever I would use my arms, of course, to cut hair, mm. I would get a lot of shoulder pain and then upper back pain through my thoracic spine. So was this was this all job related from standing or was it something else? Uh, they thought it was job related when they first evaluated me. But then as time went on and things got progressively worse and I was hardly able to even walk to my clients some <gasps> days, um, I would cry, go in the back room and start crying because the pain was so excruciating that I was literally shuffling my feet to get to my next customer. Oh my gosh. And the pain was just so excruciating that, you know, I'd have to tell my boss that I would have to leave and they would look at me because I looked so good. And that's one thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, being disabled doesn't mean you have to be in a wheelchair or on a walker or looking like you can barely get up. Doesn't always show up, does it? No, and um, that is a lot of, you know, the stigma nowadays is that people Mm -hmm. are so critical Mm -hmm. of what a person looks like. Mm -hmm. And so when I looked good and I was all dressed up and made up, and of course, cosmetologists, that's what you're in as a beauty industry. So, of course, you want to look the part. Yeah. Um, They didn't believe me. So Mm. it was hard for me to even convince my doctors there was something severely wrong with me. I I went from being able to dance and be with my kids and, you know, run around and do whatever I wanted to do. And then I went to having to be at the doctors, miss work, and in so much pain, I didn't even know how to handle it. And back before they knew what was wrong with me, they weren't really prescribing any narcotics for me. Mm. So... But your body wasn't working. My body was definitely not working. And one morning I happened to be getting ready for work. And all of a sudden I went just bent over just to put my leg in a pair of pants. And I Uh felt a horrendous pop in my low back. And I grabbed, I was screaming and grabbed onto the counter of my sink in my bathroom. And of course, everybody in the house came running and... (gasps) that started my journey of my back surgeries. Um, Oh my gosh. I had to have a low back fusion and they found out that I had a curvature in my spine that they had to recur, you know, put um, a spacer in and reconnect, re, Fix the curvature. Sorry. Yeah, right. I'm trying to get the right word out. No, I was visualizing the whole process, honey. (laughs) And, um, My first surgery, uh, after a lot of physical therapy, because of course they wanted to put me through all sorts of physical therapy before they would even do surgery on me. So, um, my final physical therapist, I happened to be in pool therapy and she told the doctor, she says, I am not doing therapy with this woman any longer. No matter what we do with her, her pain increases. She needs some help. I'm not doing therapy. So, Oh my goodness. And that was pool therapy where your body is 
you know, the, weightless. Yes, weightless. And everything, every which way they moved me, I was crying and screaming in oh, pain. Oh, dear. So that went to them deciding that, yes, of course, we need to do surgery. And I have severe degenerative disc and joint disease. So mm. my, the cartilage is just disintegrating. And mm. my mother had the same um, symptoms with her back, although she didn't have any back surgery. She uh-huh. just shrunk like five inches. Oh, God. Because all of the cartilage in between yeah. the vertebrae is, uh, I don't know, exactly. Literally disintegrating, is, yeah. Is, you know, and think of how much your yeah. spine is compressing, which is what's happening yeah. with mine, although I've had a few fusions already. And my surgeries were not very successful. In fact, my first one, I was almost killed during surgery. My, um, oh, my Lord. doctor uh, cut my ureter. Oh. <gasps> And, um, they put me in a nursing home for two weeks after surgery. Um, I was in a nursing home where my mother happened to end up being after I was no longer able to take care of her during Mm -hmm. her illness. And Mm -hmm. she got to the point where I had to put her in a nursing home. So when I ended up having to be in a nursing home, I chose to be in the one that my mom was in. And so my mom would come down on her scooter every day and sit by my bedside and watch me just get worse and worse and worse because <gasps> oh, honey. until they sent me to the hospital, they had no idea that my ureter was cut except for the fact oh. that I couldn't urinate and they kept trying to calf me. And then they found I was just screaming in pain. I was just getting sicker and sicker. <sighs> So they finally rushed me to the hospital, and within a few hours, I was in emergency surgery to stent my ureter, um, which I had to have the stent in for eight weeks. Oh, my Lord. So not only was I recovering from major low back surgery, I was also recovering from a surgery that I could have died because I was septic. Of course you were. That was my first surgery in uh, March of 2008. And um, from recovering from that surgery, I was still not able to walk. So they thought something was wrong with my hip on my left side. And after um, doing multiple x-rays and CT scans and MRIs, they discovered that both of my SI joints are deteriorating. So they have like a vacuum space. So as I'm walking, the joint is just slipping. Oh. And they, they went in to fuse in August of 2008. They went in to fuse my left SI joint. And during that surgery, my new surgeon, who was, had no um, relationship to my other surgeon that performed my first surgery, he literally took it upon himself to completely reconstruct my first surgery. My first surgery had failed and they couldn't detect that through CTs or MRIs or anything. When I was open on the table, he found that all of my hardware and all of the bone material they had injected deteriorated. It just disintegrated. Oh my gosh. So everything was loose. All of my hardware, everything. So it was no wonder I wasn't recovering because... I wasn't healing properly. No, of course not. (laughs) So after that surgery, um, I was supposed to only be in for a four hour surgery and I ended up being in for 10 to 12 hours. 
my mm. family literally thought I was dead because oh, um, of course. Oh, I was only supposed to be in for an SI joint fusion and I ended up having a whole back reconstruction in my low back along with the SI joint fusion. Oh my so waking Lord. up from that was, um, I've never felt pain like that in my entire life. <laughs> it was like I was hit by a truck. I, I was um, cut from my front to my back and... Um, <gasps> The, that was an ambitious surgeon. Yes. <laughs> he, um, I, you know, you sign that paper and it says what kind of surgery you're having. And my back, low back surgery was not included in that surgery. Um, so he took it upon himself, which I greatly appreciate. I've had some wonderful surgeons and I've had some horrible surgeons. So oh, um, I'm at the point in my life because I've had so many surgeries and they haven't been, they haven't been successful for me and I don't want to go through any of that anymore. And I've been on multiple, multiple, um, pharmaceuticals. Um, the last pharmaceutical of a narcotic I was on was liquid morphine and long acting morphine. Oh my Lord. So because the pill form is not, it doesn't absorb as fast. So right. my pain would be so bad that um, they just, they either had to keep me in the hospital or they would have to give me, have a nurse come to the house. And that was just, you know, of course, insurance doesn't want to pay for that. So they gave me liquid morphine, which is more faster acting. God, um, how in the world did you get off of that? I, uh, I have to tell you that, um, a blessing, um, came to me, who is my sister-in-law. She is a cannabis grower, her and her husband in Michigan. And um, in 2015, around, I would say, October time, they came for a visit and we had no idea that they were even in town. I was getting ready to go to the doctors to talk to them about um burning the nerve endings in my thoracic spine where my discs have collapsed and they cannot do oh surgery. My God. So I was getting ready for that appointment. My husband, um, who has now passed away um, as of January of 2000 or 2021, it'll be five years. Mm-hmm. He was, he happened to be in the garage and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law showed up and as I was walking um, with my platform walker that I was on at the time, struggling to get to the door, I opened the door and here's my sister-in-law. She happened to take me to the appointment and she listened to everything that the doctor was saying and she looked at me and she was in tears. She says, are you sure you want to go through this? And I was in such a bad way that my pain was so bad. I was as white as a sheet. I was shaking. Mm. I was sweating. And I literally felt like I was going to pass out. Oh my God. And I'm sitting in the wheelchair in the doctor's office and they're talking to me about doing the burning of the nerve endings and three different types of procedures. And some of it is under sedation and some of it isn't. And I just thought, you know, I've encountered so much going through so many surgeries that I didn't know if I wanted to go through that again. So I left the appointment with my sister-in-law and we were driving up the street and she happened to pull over. And I said, now is not the time for you to pull over. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to pass out. We need to get home. And she says, Fiona, if there's any time I need you to trust me, it's right now. 
She said, you look like you're going to pass out. She pulled out, she pulled out a joint and she said, I need you to, I need you to smoke this. And I literally, I looked at her. I said, are you effing kidding me? I said, I don't yeah. have anything to do with this. <laughs> I'm yelling at my kids, right. you know, as teenagers. Been drinking <laughs> liquid morphine for how long, but you don't want to try some, a joint. I, I'm, I'm with you. Go ahead. So she put, she lights a joint. And she's Fiona, just trust me. Just trust me. So she, I, I took, God I took her. two hits of this joint and I literally had to think about my life of how I've been on all these narcotics. And all these other medications. And after that joint, I went to Michigan and lived in Michigan and started therapy and went to see the cannabis doctor and became a cannabis patient. Um, and he told me within a year, he trusted looking at my page, my two pages of medications that I was on. He said, Fiona, in a year, I guarantee you're going to be off of at least half of these did you look at him like he had I antlers? looked at him and I said are you kidding me and he says no he, I said I have one question can I die from an overdose from smoking cannabis he says absolutely not I said that's all I need isn't that amazing <laughs> isn't that that's amazing here because when I when you're on morphine or any other type of narcotic yeah or any other type of pain pill for that matter how many hours do you have to wait? Usually four to six to eight hours between taking those pill- those pills. Between yes. dosing with right. cannabis, how often do you? How often can you medicate? You can medicate as often as, as, often you, need as you, to. you need to. Amen. Thank you, because I can medicate. It won't it hurt won't you. Hurt you. It it will uplift your spirits it will help with your pain get rid of your pain right help with your pain i can say that because my pain is so intense every day i would literally not even be able to function when i was on all those medications i was a zombie my kids tell me stories that i don't even remember happening (gasps) oh my robs you of your memory robs you of your life literally i don't remember half of my life over a five-year span of going through surgeries and being in nursing homes and um being in hospitals and being at home where my kids can't even enjoy me being their mother and my husband was you know working and taking care of the house and the kids and (gasps) oh I can't even imagine because I know the stress of both of my parents being ill all of of course all of my life that I that they were with me. Um, yeah, my mother suffered with everything that I've been going through with my health condition, oh, and I watched her overdose daily on mm. narcotics and Valium yeah. and multiple other pharmaceuticals yeah. and anything to get rid of the pain. She. I don't even know how she could stand up <laughs> because she was on so many mm. medications and she would take them mm. within a three hour time span. Um, I just don't even know how she was functioning, mm. but uh, thankful for me that now I am five years free of 
morphine. I have gone off of at least 18 to 20 other medications. Oh my goodness. For pharmaceuticals, I'm only on two medications now. That is an incredible story. (laughs) Honey, this, and, and I want to ask you something. Can you tell everybody what that first smoke was like when you were sitting in the car with your sister-in-law? Can you tell us what it felt like when she said, you're white as a sheet. You look like you're going to pass out. I can definitely tell you. now you've got to trust me. I can definitely tell Tell you how she looked at me and how I reacted, responded to the cannabis. I was literally hanging out the window, sweating. I was as white as a sheet and I was shaking. And after just smoking, I would say at least at five or six hits off of the joint, I started to sit up. My sister-in-law says, you're sitting up a little more. Your color's coming back in your face. You're not sweating anymore. Mm. How are you feeling? And I looked at her and I said, I didn't even know what to say. I I was just trying to concentrate on how I felt. (laughs) And she could see see the physical physical response before you could even Mm -hmm. speak. I I didn't even know what to say other than start crying and say, this is, this is what my kids, my son at age 13 was trying to tell me, mom, I know this would help you. Yes. Will you please just trust yes. me? And I'm just yelling at him like, yes. why are you, why are you smoking? Right. I, you I drug was the biggest hypocrite. <laughs> I was the biggest hypocrite. We don't know. We don't, we're propagandized well, against it. My we don't first know. experience with cannabis, my girlfriend had gotten a joint back when I was like 15 years old and it was laced. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it was laced with, but I had the worst hallucinations and I literally thought oh my god the hospital it was so bad (gasps) and that scared me from smoking ever again like just the smell of it yes was like it was an instant I would get angry because I'm like no 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 and now I'm the biggest advocate (laughs) I know (laughs) because it has literally (laughs) saved my life like I struggle every day with pain. There's days that I can't even get out of bed. I have severe nerve damage in both of my legs from my hips to my feet. I have a stimulator implant in my spine because I didn't want to go through with the nerve burning of the nerves because there was no guarantee that that was going to work. And honestly, I have a, Mm. I have a complete spinal implant. Um, It's like a tens unit, but it's an implant in my spine and they can't even use the frequency that they wanted to run to help with the pain in my upper spine. So that wasn't even successful. The only thing it was successful for was to help with the nerve pain in my legs. And so that surgery wasn't even completely successful. So just the thought Good of going Lord. through any more surgery is the is scary because mm. I, I, I'm allergic to anesthesia oh, yes, and yeah. who knows if, who oh knows my if God. one of the next anesthesias they use on me could possibly, you know, I may not wake up, which is what happened, um, before to me. And, um, mm. I just, 
I'm scared of doctors. (laughs) Understandable. Understandable. Hey, can we find that video that you did with Satara? Yes, um, on Satara's YouTube page or under Fiona Cannabis Strong. My documentary comes up along with other um, short documentaries that I've done. I did one in Minnesota with cannabis in real life. And I had an interview with Vibe 95 Medical Marijuana um, talking with them in... uh, West Palm Beach at the Vibe 95 radio station. Oh, that's great. Okay, great. And we can also find that info, I'm sure, on your Facebook and on yes. your Instagram. You have such an incredible story. Uh, and I'd like to invite you to come back for a part two and and tell our audience what it was like for you to go through the experience of getting your you know, getting your pot card and going to your first dispensary and and figuring out what your best cannabis uh, regime is for your particular, you know, junk. I would love on. to come back for a and, second um, interview because I have oh, so much information. We have so many topics we can talk about. Um, just educating is my um, biggest priority to anyone because... Um, I, you know, I meet with so many different doctors and I will tell you that my doctors in Minnesota, uh, where I just moved from a couple of years ago, uh, my pain doctor used to call me, his nurse would call me and ask me how I could help their patients start rece- getting CBD. And yes. my primary doctor is now a, a registered medical cannabis doctor. And she said I was her first cannabis patient. I said, I don't believe that, but I believe I'm the only probably cannabis patient that would freely tell you about what changed my life (laughs) because I am a patient. So I am able to to freely talk about what saved me and what medication I use now. And I will tell you there's a lot of, you know, criticism from doctors there's doctors that will actually listen to you I have so many things we can talk about so many experiences that I've had through my journey in educating and and showing these doctors that truly cannabis is a medicine you are an incredibly generous woman to share this extremely personal painful time with us how can our audience find you for more (laughs) inspiration from fiona you can um find me on facebook which is fiona sebastiano um the spelling is f-i-o-n-n-a last name s-e-b-a-s-t-i-a-n-o and my instagram is fiona underscore cannabis strong i would love for our audience to Follow me. I have um, a documentary with Sertera that I had the honor of filming last year. And <laughs> uh oh, I I I I'm already grabbing for my <laughs> tissues, honey. I hear it in your voice, and you're you're triggering me too. And I already know some of this story. I, so uh, have the great pleasure right. of um, sharing my journey with Sertera, and we filmed for two days. Oh. And uh, I incorporated everything 
within my story, um, sharing in my home, the place that I is my most peaceful place ever to be at the ocean was where we filmed yes. at the last part of my journey on, on the documentary. Mm-hmm. And we filmed with my amazing doctor, Dr. Chen Latte from Bud Docs. And we filmed at Certera. Where, where from, from Bud Docs? In Lake Mary, Dr. Chen Latte. Okay. Do you know, does, do you know what uh, their uh, .com is or anything? I would honestly have to look up his card. That, it, it's, no, that's okay. I'm Bud sure Docs. they'll find out more com. when He's they go. find Dr. Yeah. Chen Latte. Yeah. Um, he's an amazing doctor go. for medical cannabis. Um, and we also filmed at the Deltona location at Certera with um, one of my dear friends who actually now is working in Las Vegas. Uh, she received a promotion mm. after we um, filmed and she's now in Las Vegas working at one of their dispensaries out there. So, hey, friends, now you see why I'm so crazy about our angel, Fiona. That conversation just sparked a brand new friendship, and we want to do more together. You're going to hear part two of uh, Fiona's story, and we're going to talk a lot more, but we're also cooking up a surprise for everybody for later. So, Thank you so much for joining us today at Cannabivarum, where you're always going to hear talk about cannabis truth. You've been listening to another Cannabivarum podcast with cannabis shaman Honey Smith Walls about how to use safe hemp and marijuana products. Please be advised that all street weed is contaminated unless otherwise proven by a reputable third-party lab test and may do grave harm to a delicate immune system. You'll find citations on the Cannabivarum podcast blog at cannabivarum.com. That's C-A-N-N-A-B-A-V-E-R-U-M dot com.